don't want to be the only one that is getting fussed at, all right? Um, and so uh, I'd like to start by telling a couple stories, and then the fussing can commence. Uh, how is everyone again? You, you still good? So it was, uh, it was 1999, and uh, I, had, I had been a, a basketball coach for a couple of years. I had been in a basketball manager for five years before that. Uh, um, and, and after nine years, you add it all up back into high school, after nine years of, um, doing, uh, of not doing the thing that God had called me to do, um, but having really a, a really good time, I, I answered the call to ministry. Right? You with me? And so I applied to seminary at Emory, and I got accepted, and then I started applying for jobs to actually put food on the table, and, uh, and I, I got a job. And I started in 1999, June of 1999, as the youth minister, right? Because, like, seriously, like, how hard is it to be a youth minister? Um, and, uh, uh, and it was like a Monday morning, and I started June of 99 in Fayetteville, and I walked in the door, and the thing is, I knew a lot. Are you with me? I mean, like, you couldn't measure. It. Please roll your eyes at me right now. Please. I knew so much. I knew so much. I walked in, and the only trick is that all that I knew really didn't help me. Like, I had never run a ministry before. And there were, like, there were like literally 100 kids that were on the roll of this church's, like, youth ministry. I would be like 100 kids. Now, I mean, a couple of them didn't come. A couple of them, 80 of them didn't come. But, um, but there were, you know, uh, there were so many. And, so, and then Sunday nights would come. That would be like during the week. Then Sunday nights would come around, and I would stand in front of, uh, of these middle schoolers and high schoolers, and, uh, and all that I know and all that I had done added up to jack squat in their eyes. You with me? I mean, yeah, I mean, I could have, I could have, I, I mean, I could, I, in fact, I might have, and I, I've, I've forgotten it, but I could have led with, I have stood with Michael Jordan, because I, I, I had, or, or, or I have hung out with, with Magic Johnson, you know, because I had, I've, 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 I've met Larry Bird, and I mean, you know, I mean, I, uh, I mean, I could, I could have led with all those things, I worked for the Hawks, I worked for the Dream, I could have done all those things, but I'm telling you what, I had figured out, like, by like three weeks in, they could give a rip about any of that, they, there was, that was not their thing, and, and all of a sudden, I was just struck by the fact that I knew all this stuff didn't add up to them, right, and then fast forward two years, Two years later, and, uh, and, and, and I'm married, and we have a little boy, and Julie takes the year off, and I'm still in seminary, and I'm making good grades in seminary, and I've become an okay youth minister, and, and, and that's going really well, but I would get home any given day of the week. I'd get home, and, uh, and I'd go to pick up this little boy that we had, Sam, and all of my ability and all of my knowledge, do you know what that meant to him? Nothing. Nothing. And then the worst part of it is, the worst part of it is, is that, is that, is that, is that he would have been good all day for his mom, and I would get home, and he would be tired, and I couldn't process this, but he would be tired, and he would just cry at me, you know. And I'd say, stop crying, stop, I'd shake, no, I wouldn't shake him, um, but I mean, I'd want to shake him, um, uh, I, you know, and I'd say, stop crying, I mean, you know, and, 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 and I was like, helpless, because all of that didn't add up to him at all. And then fast forward one more time to June of a year ago, and I moved to Bon Air 
to be the pastor of this church. And all that we had done in Columbus and and all the stuff that we had accomplished and all of the ways that God had done stuff and I had been a part of it and not just at the church but but down at Open Door and the ministries there and and, and all the friends that we had, y'all could have given a rip about that. Oh, you can laugh. Yeah. It's the uh, awkward, yeah, actually you're right, Scott. (laughs) that's the way the world works. Is that, is that you, can, you can be right up here, and that's precisely when Satan enters in. I mean, you can, you, can, you can have established yourself, and you can have stretched this and gotten this, and your resume can be here, and I mean, you know, and it, it, that's exactly when Satan enters in. A lot of folks, a lot of folks mistakenly believe that that the way that hell or Satan or the devil or Lucifer or whatever word you want to use, um, he doesn't have the little things and the pitchfork. I mean, you know, but but he, but whatever the for, however you understand the forces of evil and darkness in the world, a lot of people think that they just attack us when we're down. But I think the scripture today says the opposite. So in the in the life of Jesus. All the Gospels say that Jesus, at the age of 30, goes off. He'd apprenticed under his father, and, uh, and he had grown up in his father, but he answers the call to ministry, and he's 30, and he goes off into the wilderness. And he finds John. Later on, he's referred to as John the Baptizer or John the Baptist, but he would have been just John. He finds John, and John's got some disciples and got crowds around him, and he, and he comes and he sort of makes his way through the crowds, and, and there he is, and he and John, and he says, I need to be baptized. And John's like, no, I don't know about that because I should be doing something for you. And he's like, no, this is what you can do for me. You can baptize me. And it says he's baptized. And that in the moment he's baptized, the heavens are ripped open. And the people who could hear it, I'm not sure everybody could hear it, but the people who could hear it heard the words, you are my beloved. I love you. I love you. Heaven's word to Jesus. And then, and then, see what happens next. Right after that, it actually opens with the word then. Matthew 4, it says then. What does the then mean? It means exactly after that. Then the Spirit led Jesus up into the wilderness so that the devil might tempt him. This is the way the world works. I mean, the devil comes after us when we're not expecting it. And when are we not expecting it? We're not expecting it when everything's going great, right? When, when we're knocking out of the park. When, I mean, when we're on top of our game, that's, that's, this is exactly the moment. This is exactly the moment. And, and the truth is, this is why I'm really glad you're here, is, is because I've started to think through this all morning long, that, that I'm, not preaching, I'm not preaching at your 95% success rate. And, and I'm looking around the room, most of you are probably like me. I, I'm tempted, how many times are you tempted a day? I mean, you even have a number for that? I mean, it's too many, right? It's too many. But here's the thing, how many times are you successful at resisting temptation? The answer is most of the time, are you with me? Think about it. I mean, we're, we're all tempted all the time. But how are you resisting temptation? The answer is probably, I mean, let's, pretty good. 
And I don't mean just like pretty good. Most of us, most of the time, resist temptation. But I'm not here preaching to my 95% success rate or 96% success rate. I'm here preaching at the times I don't resist. At the times I don't get it right. And I believe if we would listen closely to this scripture, if we would lean in and really get in, gauge with the moment the story tells us that Jesus was tempted, I believe we can be helped by that. And I'm not the only one that believes that. Listen to the, listen to the Bible real quick. I'm going to turn. So this is um, Hebrews 2.18. And this is the Bible talking about the Bible. It says, Jesus, or he... Jesus is able to help those who are being tempted since he himself experienced suffering when he was tempted. And then then it goes on and says two chapters later, because we don't have a high priest, which is a term for the person who stands in between heaven and God's people, between God and God's people. We don't have a high priest who can't sympathize with our weaknesses, but instead one who was tempted in every way that we are, except without sin. So so we do really well at 95%, and Jesus, 100%, resisted it every time. Finally, it says, let's draw near to the throne of favor with confidence so that we can receive mercy and find grace when we need help. The Bible tells us that if we, if we would draw close to the one who was tempted, we can be made better by that. The Bible tells us if we would listen to the story of Jesus being tempted, that we can be helped when it comes to resisting temptation. And the truth is, show of hands, who needs help? Thank you, thank you. And if somebody's nudging you right now because you haven't raised your hand, call that God, okay? Right? And if you're not sitting next to someone right now, then that's still God nudging you to raise your hand. We all need the help. And the Bible says that the Bible can help us. So what happens in the first moment that Satan attacks Jesus? It, it sounds like this. Matthew 4.2 After Jesus had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, he was starving. The tempter came to him and said, Since you are God's son, command these stones to become bread. Jesus replied, It's written, People won't live only by bread, but by every word spoken by God. This is the word of God for we the people of God, and we say together, Thanks be to God. Now, this is the first of three consecutive little moments, three consecutive temptations. We're going to talk about them. We've got a few weeks to do it. But this is that first moment. He comes and says to him, he comes and says to him, if you are God's son, which he knew he was, they both knew he was, right? So it's almost rhetorical. Like, I know who you are. Take the stone, turn it to bread. Now, now here's the thing. Notice, notice, while it says the word if, again, I don't think he means the if that way. Nowhere does Satan suggest that Jesus couldn't do it. And I think this is, I think this is important. Because the devil doesn't come and tempt us with things we can't do, right? What does he come and tempt us with? Totally stuff that we can do. 
In fact, in fact, I'll think about that when you can come and tell me later, but I don't know that he ever tempts us with stuff that we can't do. It's always, it's always like this. You can do that. You can, you can take that. It, nobody will pay attention to that. You need that. that. It's always stuff that you can do. He says, take this stone, make it bread. And the thing is, we know Jesus could have done that. I've, I've said for a couple of times, and a few people have related to me, I mean, Jesus could make bread from stone that would have taste, tasted better than those yeast rolls at Logan's. All right? That, you know what I'm talking about? The ones that, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Talk about temptation. I mean, ruin a meal. Why do you even, why, why do we, you, go, you go to Logan's, why do you even order food? Just get the sweet tea and the yeast rolls. Don't even get me started with Olive Garden, right? They bring the bread and the salad, and you're like, oh, here's a $14 tray of, I can't eat this. He comes to Jesus and says, take the stone, turn it into bread. Jesus could totally have done that. But here's the thing. I don't think any of us can turn stone into bread. So how does Satan tempt us? Henry now, in writing, writing about this in a little, a little, uh, it's a little, it was actually a lecture he gave, and it turned into a little book. Henry Nowen writes that the first temptation of Satan against Jesus is the, te- is the temptation to be relevant. To be relevant. And I, I read that the first time, and I go, what does that mean? <laughs> So I I look up the word relevant. To be relevant is having significant and demonstrable bearing on the matter at hand. Having significant and demonstrable bearing on the matter at hand. So, So hang on with me. So the temptation is to be significant. To be even more significant. The temptation is to be relevant. Someone else wrote, He is challenged by Satan to respond to the perceived need at that moment while ignoring the greater need. I think the first temptation for us, probably every day, probably in every moment, the first temptation is for us to try to occupy more space than we're supposed to. I think that's what it means to be significant. I mean, even just the word significant, kind of, I mean, the modern day translation would, what, would be like a big deal, right? Hey, that was really significant. What is that? It was a, it was a big deal. And, and, and the temptation for us, you ready? The temptation for us is to be significant. I'm a big deal. Right? I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a big deal. Which, of course, even now as I say it out loud, if I were to walk up to any of you, if I were to walk up to any of you and be like, hey, John, <clears throat> Scott here. I'm a big deal. Right? I mean, that's, like, that's stupid for me to even do that, Right? I mean, that, that's dumb, but, but that's real. 
I mean, after the nine o'clock service, this uh, this man walks up. Um, uh, this this guy walks up after the service and it made me a little bit tears in his eyes and he's like he's like that really spoke to me and I was struck by that moment that this might be a sermon even more for men than it is for women. I, I, I'm not telling the women to tune out, but but if you are, at least I got you two thirds of the way into the sermon. But it might be a temptation even more for men than it is for women. And there, there was something about and I, I have experience being a man. Um, <clears throat> There's something about the way we're made that we sort of just, and, and, and you tell me I'm wrong, because I'm not, um, that we just sort of want to walk in and we just want to be like, hey, John, I'm a big deal, right? <laughs> Which is, say it with me, stupid. Say it. Stupid. Stupid. Because who am I called to be? Scott. Which is, by the way, not a big deal. I'm called to be Scott, but every time I walk into a place, every time I feel that temptation, the temptation is always, hey, hey, just, just be bigger, just be bigger than you are. Just, just show them, just stand in front of those teenagers and tell them all that you've done. Just impress them. Well, first of all, it don't work at all. I didn't know that at the time, but you can't impress teenagers with that. I mean, you can't. You can't impress babies. You, you can't. And yet, there's something about being childlike. I mean, you can't, you can't impress most people walking up and saying, I'm a big deal. Because we're not supposed to try to be a big deal. I would, I would say that individually, you and I are called to love God with all we've got and love each other like we love ourselves. And the truth is, we're pretty good at loving ourselves. So we should love each other the same way. I mean, that's individuals. And then as a church, I, I, think, I think that we're called to find the places that God is working to put the world back together and to go be a part of that. And I think we do that. I think we do that across the street. I think we do it in here. I think we do it on Tuesday nights. And I think, I think we did it in Belize. I mean, I think we're doing that. I think the truth is we don't need to be a bigger deal to do that. And I don't need as an individual to be a bigger deal to love God and love each other. In fact, well, there you go. If I give in to that temptation, I'm now all of a sudden not as good at loving God and loving others. That's precisely, that's precisely where Satan wants us. To think of ourselves as such a big deal that we can't do what we're made to do. I think the first temptation in my life and in your life is the temptation to occupy more space than we're supposed to to be more relevant than we're supposed to be, to be more significant. And I would pray that, that Jesus would help me resist that temptation every day. And I pray the same for you. Let's pray. Gracious God, you have... You have loved us and given to us and provided for us 
and you have called us, and every bit of that is perfect. So our prayer is that you would help us to not get ahead of ourselves or get outside of ourselves or, or find ourselves stumbling to try to be something more than we're not. You have called me to be me. Help me to be me, the very best me I can be, but not more than that. Give me the courage to see it when it comes and to resist the very forces that lead to destruction and suffering and death and instead to choose the path that leads to abundant life because giving in to you and submitting to you and sacrificing to you that is abundance. This we pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. Indeed, every one of us are tempted and we're called to be something we're not. And yet with the help of Jesus, we can be exactly who we're called to be. I invite you to stand in a moment as we sing the closing hymn, but also to remind you that this is a place where people walk side by side with God and side by side with each other, trying to be the best that we can be and trying to be exactly who God has called us to be and trying our very best to not be more than that.